I'm really excited about our summer that we have together as we um, begin to work towards uh, a different understanding of 1 John, or maybe to actually begin to look at the scripture from a way that we may maybe haven't before. Um, one of the things that I'm really looking forward to for this summer is this idea of having an opportunity to see uh, a, new t- a new space and a new time and just to see how this works, but even beyond all that, um, to share meals together. I, I have a hunch that the meals that we share in that room will deeply impact the meal that we share here. And the meal that we share here is going to deeply impact the meals that we share in that room, which my ultimate secret plan is that that begins to impact the meals that we share outside of our world and in new spaces and new places. Um, but yeah, so this summer, we're going to look at First John. A lot of you had, uh, when, when you uh, came in, you got this really cool packet. And I'm going to ask you to do something really simple right now. Put your name on it, okay? This is like school uh, 101, you know, first day of class. Please put your name. If you need a pen, uh, does anyone need a pen? We have a bag of pens up here. We can pass them out. I'm going to go ahead and just take a pen and... Pass them around. There we go. Um, but yeah, as, as you're putting your name on it, uh, I, I've really been struggling um, with what to do this summer over this First John teaching. And so some of it is this. Normally when we begin to chat through a book of the Bible, uh, we start by telling all the important background information. Uh, we, we answer questions like who wrote it? What was his purpose? We look at the pictures of the historical setting of where these churches that, that the author was thinking about or writing to. Uh, we, we look at the kinds of challenges that the church was facing at the moment. Uh, we begin to dream about the makeup of the, of the small house churches in which these letters were being written to. Uh, and then we sort of gaze our attention and we begin to look at words at the words, the grammatical words. And we try to sum up in our own failing words what the author was writing about, how he was trying to encourage, what he may have been rebuking or what he was trying to correct. And I wanna pause for a moment to tell you that all of these things are important and they're all good. And people have been studying the scriptures in these ways for years and years and years. And we will get to some of these fun things that I mentioned before. But tonight, I want to invite us on a journey through a book of the Bible in a different way. Um, I want to invite us to read, and as we read, to enter into prayer in our hearts and to invite the Spirit to begin to speak to us through the words that were penned long, long ago. Uh, My desire is for us to hear this as a whole. Um, One of the things that you've noticed, if you look, and I'm going to have Dennis to give me a hand with this, but if you look at the first page, what what is it missing? What might, yeah, Caleb. Wow, there's no chapter and verse markings. That's so weird. Why? Um, Anyways, yeah, there's no chapter and verse markings. Good. Good. Anything else you've noticed? 
That, that's pretty much it. There is really nothing else to notice. Um, <laughs> some people, you sure? I, I'm pretty sure. Well, there might be some typos. No, there's no typos. We, we got it. We got I'm, it I'm, I'm not so sure. <laughs> Dennis, I promise you, there's no typos. I know it. Um, anyways, what our hope is that we have an opportunity to set our hearts to listen to the Scripture as a whole to actually have a chance to take in a letter, as John would have sent a letter to a church and as the church would have gathered around and sat down and listened to what John would have had to say to a church that he planted or that he started or that he was just sensing the Spirit calling him to encourage. So here's how we're going to... I'm going to have Dennis explain how we're supposed to use these packets. Dennis, you got this. Well, I think the whole point is to open our eyes and open our ears. So Doug just said, what did you notice? And really sharp people already noticed some things and there's even more. And Peter, he, he sort of put his finger on it today when he said, what is today? Trinity Sunday. Trinity Sunday. Now, what is the Trinity? Oh, a bit of a pain, right? Well, if you notice, you see, all the way down here, there are questions. And they are nearly all what what questions. But if I said, what is the church, would that be right or wrong? Um, That would be wrong. That's a wrong question. What would the question be? I think it's who is the church would be the question. So JR said that, who is the church? So while we were busy answering what, 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 we can say, well, who is involved here? Is it me, I, God? Because the person is going to speak to us through the Spirit. Yeah. So look for the repetitions. Look for the what's. And the who's. And the who's. And the who's, yes. Uh, So we're going to have a chance to listen here. And uh, one thing I just wanted to to remark on before we get there, um, I was reading through the Gospel of Luke recently, and I had a conversation with Dennis about this. Um, I actually think the highlight of the Gospel of Luke is often missed. I think the aha moment is found in the road to Emmaus when the disciples, the two sad disciples, notice Jesus, and Jesus does something. Does anyone know what Jesus does for the disciples? He opens their eyes. The entire gospel of Luke continues to say, you have eyes to see, but you cannot see. You have ears to hear, but you will not understand. I think the highlight of the gospel is the fact that their eyes all of a sudden were open to the glory of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And so as we have a chance to listen to this, I want to pray for us that we would have eyes to to see and ears to hear. So let me pray as our readers get ready. Jesus, we thank you for um, the scriptures. Uh, They feel uh, war-torn as we come to them. People questioning the reliability or, or the, the way that it works or how it hurts people or helps people or is it a textbook, is it a love poem, what is it? Lord, we want to trust tonight that it is your words to our hearts. That is not, it is not a textbook to be studied and to be atomized and, and, and chopped apart into microscopic things, but it is to be taken in a, in a whole 
as a whole. So Lord, I ask you would open up the eyes of our hearts so that we can see you, so that our hearts can maybe even begin to burn with a little passion, that you would stir up something in the midst of us. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come. You would help us to pay attention. Lord, I know because I confess that I have a hard time paying attention. So help us to pay attention to the words. In your name we pray. Amen. Follow along. Uh, Feel free to underline, circle, write, uh, anything you would like to. Uh, And let's listen. We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. This life was revealed, and we have seen it and testify to it, and declare, declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. We declare to you that we have seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Now by this, we may be sure that we know him. If we obey his commandments, whoever says, I have come to know him, but does not obey his commandments, is a liar. And in such a person, the truth does not exist. But whoever obeys his word, truly in this person, the love of God has reached perfection. By this, we may be sure that we are in him. Whoever says, I abide in him, ought to walk just as he walked. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning, The old commandment is the word that you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new commandment that is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says I am in the light while hating a brother or sister is still in darkness. Whoever loves a brother or sister lives in the light and in such a person there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates another believer is in the darkness, walks in the darkness, and does not know the way to go because the darkness has brought on blindness. 
I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young people, because you have conquered the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young people, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. The love of the Father is not in those who love the world. For all that is in the world, the desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride in riches, comes not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desire are passing away. But those who do the will of God live forever. Children, it is the last hour. As you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. From this we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But by going out, they made it plain that none of them belongs to us. But you have been anointed by the Holy One, and all of you have knowledge. I write to you not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and you know that no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Everyone who confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he has promised us, eternal life. I write these things to you concerning those who would deceive you. As for you, the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and so you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he is revealed, we may have confidence and not be put to shame before him at his coming. If you know what is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who does right has been born of him. See what the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this, when he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Everyone who commits sin is guilty of lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he was revealed to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Everyone who does what is righteous is righteous, just as he is righteous. 
Everyone who commits sin is a child of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born of God do not sin, because God's seed abides in them. They cannot sin because they have been born of God. The children of God and the children of devil are revealed in this way. All who do not do what is right are not from God. Nor are those who do not love their brothers and sisters. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We must not be like Cain, who was from the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be astonished, brothers and sisters, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love one another. Whoever does not love abides in death. All who hate a brother or sister are murderers. And you know that murderers do not have eternal life abiding in them. We know love by this, that he lay down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother or sister in need and yet refuses help? Little children, let us love, not in word and speech, but in truth and action. And by this we will know that we are from the truth and will reassure our hearts before him. Whenever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have boldness before God. And we receive from him whatever we ask because we obey his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he has commanded us. All who obey his commandments abide in him, and he abides in them. And by this we know that he abides in us, by the spirit that he has given us. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. Little children, you are from God and have conquered them, for the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore what they say is from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us, and whoever is not from God does not listen to us. From this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love God, does not love does not know God, for God is love. 
God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the father has sent his son as the savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the son of God and they abide in God. So we have known and believe this love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God, but, and hate their brothers or sisters, are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the parent loves the child. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and obey his commandments. For the love of God is this, that we obey his commandments. And his commandments aren't burdensome, for whatever is born of God conquers the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world, our faith. Who is it that conquers the world? But the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and the blood, Jesus Christ. Not with the water only, but with the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one that testifies, for the Spirit is the truth. There are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive human testimony, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has testified to his Son. Those who believe in the Son of God have that testimony in their hearts. Those who do not believe in God have made him a liar by not believing in the testimony that God has given 
concerning his son. And this is the testimony. God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the boldness that we have in him, that if we ask anything to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have obtained the requests made of him. If you see your brother or sister committing what is not a mortal sin, you will ask and God will give life to such a one, to those whose sin is not mortal. There is a sin that is mortal. I do not say that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that is not mortal. We know that those who are born of God do not sin. But the one who is born of God protects them, and the evil one does not touch them. We know that we are God's children, and that the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son. Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Amen. Thank you, readers. <clears throat> So I wanted to give us just a few moments to reflect on what we have just heard and followed along with, um, just, to, just to observe. What are some things that really jumped off of the page or jumped off of the, the voice of the speaker to you as we had an opportunity to listen to First John together? What's that? How he calls us little children. Yeah, it's like it's like a, a father writing a letter to his beloved kids. Yeah, great. His little children is all over it. Yeah. There's some other ones. Elaine. How many times we're commanded to love? Yeah. Abide. The dude abides. I think that I just love that word that they continue to, to throw in there. For those of, the, of us that aren't abide people, um, actually Bob said this, I loved it. It's either to camp out or to hang out, uh, which is great. Um, John, in his writings, uses the word, uh, a word that translates into abide. Uh, it's also kind of a word that we could use for tabernacle, which means to... Follow God in the wilderness when you hear the word tabernacle. 
Uh, it also, so kind of that camping theme, uh, or to dwell inside of, or to dwell with. So when you read the word abide, think dwell, hang out, camp out, be together, intimacy. What else? What are some other things that just jumped off the page? Yeah, did you guys hear that? The descriptors that he used, life, light, love, uses these really incredible words to describe who God is, who Jesus is. Yeah. Bob. It seems that John's giving little room for hard attitudes. Yeah, John is giving little room for hard attitudes. That's actually a good transition. What kind of things do you think this community was experiencing? just as we look at some of the stuff that John's encouraging them with. Disagreements, right. I mean, if you're, um, we have this thing that we do uh, sometimes in my house, not all the time, when my kids are fighting, we have them hug each other, kiss each other, and say they love each other. It's a riot. Uh, it really works out well. Never. But they laugh by the end and they're, and they're friends. But yeah, it seems like it's one of those, guys, you need to figure this out. You need to love one another. Uh, yeah, great. What else? Liars. Liars. Yes. Yeah. The word liars. Yeah. Yeah, that ends really abruptly, right? Like, love, 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 love. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Bam. (laughs) Just, whoa. Yeah. But idolatry is under, yeah, we see that. What else? Yeah, definitely get the sense that they were not caring for people who were in need. A couple more. Well, the thing is selfless. Self, selfless. Selfless, not selfish. Yeah. Yeah, Joel. Yeah. Yeah, he, he does very stark contrasts. This is false, this is good, right? This false is true. I think the women in this Kathy. that he's addressing the letter to you must have done really well because that was a section, little children, fathers, young people. Children, fathers, young people. Yes, they're like, so women, you just tune out. You're good. This is not directed towards you at all. <laughs> That's great. All God's sisters said. Amen. <laughs> yeah. That was lost. That was the lost part of John four, which we or yeah, the fourth John. Um, yeah, you know it's funny. Um, one of the things that's so fascinating is, uh, you know, Peter mentioned it's Trinity Sunday, and we cannot find the word Trinity anywhere in Scripture. But First uh, John really points out this Trinitarian God, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. We begin to see this relational God. So think about it. This is one of the things that really, and I'm really excited. I think Ben's actually going to talk to us about this, but about what it means to believe in a God who is in relationship with himself, a Trinitarian God. I mean, that just comes off the page of First John. So a couple things. I said background information we're going to get to, but I, we were, I wanted to get to it and wait till afterwards so we could listen to it with fresh ears. Oh, one more. Yeah.
Yeah. Yeah. The idea that how do we know that God loves us because he sent his son to die for us? And Claudia made a great observation. A lot of times people ask the question, well, I don't think God can love me. You know, I'm going through this bad situation. But it kind of pushes all those bad situations out. And it says, we know that he loves us because he sent his son to die for us. It uses a word that people have been fighting about recently in terms of in the, in the church ivory tower world called atonement. That Jesus' death on the cross atoned for our sins, covered our sins, forgave us, freed us from that. Yeah. So a couple things that is just good for us to be aware of as, as we, uh, so here's, here's the goal. We want you to take this. We want you to bring this to house church. We want you to read through the gospel of John. The, sorry, I keep calling it that because I'm just excited. Um, we, we want you to read through 1 John throughout the summer. We want this to be something that we just continually read and reread and reread and mull over and continue to look at time and time again. And my hope is that you may actually get bored with it because I think that's when the Spirit will begin to speak. When we think we've seen it all, there's a moment when God just opens up the floodgates and we begin to see something brand new. So continue to observe. These were all fantastic observations, but here's the thing that I want to say. There's much, much more. The rabbit hole goes much deeper in this. And this way of reading it without chapters and verses may frustrate the heck out of some of you. You may have seen this and go, ah, how am I going to read this? But remember, this is the way it was. This is the way it would have happened. You know, a small house church would have received a letter from John. Oh, quick, let's sit down, let's listen. And they would have sat and they would have heard what John had to encourage them with. And then it was their job to begin to live that out, which is so exciting because that's why we, we do not study a textbook. We study the living word because the living word continues to give life, continues to, to burgeon with brand new things and to show us what God has to do today. This word isn't stuck back in 95 AD when some folks thought it was pen, but it has just as much relevance today because the spirit of God is still speaking. Because God didn't stop speaking when the last stroke of the scripture was written, but that his word would continue to be spoken, continue to be molded about, looked at, played with, sought after, because God's word is eternal. For some background, it was written by John, the beloved disciple of Jesus. Uh, he also wrote John 1, 2, and 3, the book of Jude and Yellow Submarine. I mean, Revelation. <laughs> Uh, it was most likely written to the churches of Asia Minor. Um, some, of the, some of the ideas is that uh, this could have been to a network of house churches. So it was sort of handed out to one house church. They were with it for a while. They handed it off to the other. And this was the way that they encouraged one another in the midst of what we can see as a difficult time within the church. Um, it's, it's a little bit different in terms of the way it's written. A lot of us have probably read a lot of books, uh, books of the Bible that were written by Paul. And Paul's very linear. He begins at point A, and he goes to point B, and point C, and point D, and he ends sort of in a linear direction, where, where John does something different. He actually kind of goes around like this, these concentric circles, and he sort of continues to to just kind of dial it in and get even more and more pointed. So it may be a little different or foreign for us if we're more linear thinkers to begin to think circular. 
Um, if you've ever read any good German theologians, which I'm sure all of you have, uh, that's the way Germans like to sort of talk about certain things. They sort of circle around the thing and they continue to use these metaphors, these ideas, these words to bring it in a little bit, a little bit tighter. Uh, or maybe it's like, uh, for those of you that have ever listened to classical music or scores, uh, sorry, most of you listen to scores of mo- you know, movie scores, you'll notice throughout the songs, there'll be these kickbacks to these certain scenes, and it just sort of takes your mind. Well, John's doing that as he writes. He sort of, uh, and, and I lo- he does it a lot with the, with the children narrative, you know, with, with words of children, or if you see the word children, it's like he's kicking you back to this idea that he started here. And somehow he circled back to it. And so it's almost like listening to a good symphony. They're, you know, they sort of do the prelude and then you hear the different pieces, but yet the, the melody that begins with somehow gets stuck in the middle and in the, and in the end. And in the really hard part, when it seems really dark, the melody bursts forth again. And so when we think about reading the book again, we have to continue to think about different metaphors, ways to help us to think circular, um, how someone would be continually trying to circle this story, this narrative that's going on. Uh, We can definitely see that he's reminding and persuading the church to stay faithful to what they believe. Uh, Some people would call this book very foundational by nature. This is, uh, if you want to understand what it means to be a Christian, read this, Um, follow this. And so I think for us as a church, this is brilliant as we're changing a bunch of things, as we've kind of been in this weird Uh, beautiful space that's very weird to us because it's different. It's bringing us back to saying it's about Jesus. And so there's great stuff about who Jesus is, who God is. There's also this beautiful stuff that calls the Christians. This is how we should live. And so we need to pay attention to that. Um, We also begin to see a lot of echoes. Uh, If you've ever seen movies with flashbacks, Echoes are a lot, a lot like flashbacks. Uh, we see echoes to Genesis. We see echoes to the, to, to, to the actual gospel of John. If you read the gospel of John alongside of 1 John, you'll begin to see the way these things play together, the way these things sort of ping pong off one another. And one of the most important things that we're going to have a chance to practice today is it talks a lot about the, the, the word fellowship or being together or loving one another. And so my friends, as we enter into, uh, as we enter to the table later and as we enter to the tables out there, our job, our goal is to create space and time for us to love one another, to listen to one another, and even to reflect back on what we're learning in 1 John to begin to see how this may begin to shape us. And our goal and our hope is that by the end of this summer, we've been shaped deeply by the letter of 1 John. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for your presence with us tonight. Thank you for friends from across the globe. Thank you for Trinity Sunday. Sunday that celebrates the relational God who is in perfect relationship with, him, with himself, Father, Son, and Spirit, who calls us as a church, as a people, into that same perfect relationship. Lord, all of us in this room recognize that we are sinners and that we need forgiveness. And so, Father, we ask that you would forgive us our sins and that you would begin to shape in us new life. 
God, may you help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear this summer as we walk through the book of 1 John. In your name we pray, amen.